I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I don't know what we're talking about today, but I saw that we're talking about NFTs in the calendar. So uh, uh, tell me about the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, these non-fundable tokens. Different game. Different yeah, game. Yeah. Close, but, close, but no cigar, Bri. Uh, actually, NTF, uh, which stands for Not That Funny. Uh, Jesse, Jesse, why don't you, uh, why don't you <laughs> give like our my list- joke at the start, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, why don't you give our listeners a little rundown as to, uh, as to who you are, what you do for a living and, um, and yeah, give us a little insight into your life. I mean, Je- the name Jesse Lipscomb wasn't enough. They don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love the story. Rock. Story. Yeah. What? what? Uh, uh, so I'm Jesse. Uh, I am uh, an actor, uh, speaker, activist, writer. Um, six, maybe four years ago, four years ago, five years ago, we started a campaign called Make It Awkward, which was designed to fight against discrimination of all types. The whole idea was creating everyday activists out of everybody. So that idea of feeling like you have to move mountains, it's more about just let's all take a couple pebbles uh, and see if we can uh, collectively make this mountain shift. So it, you know, it started off as a, a racist attack that happened to me. I was shooting a commercial at Edmonton and a car pulled up and started screaming some racial words at me. And I walked over and Jeez. had a conversation with them. And it was that, that conversation was caught on camera and uh, kind of started the entire movement, Make It Awkward movement. Um, moving forward, we've done so many different, uh, you know, seminars, speeches, events, and a lot of the questions had always been about how do we be better allies? How do we, how can we be a better activist? How do we learn more? And we wanted to create something, uh, a relatively easy, barrier-free uh, activity that people could uh, learn to be better. Basically, leisure and resistance is the idea. And then let's stop. Let's be realistic. People are lazy. So they say that they want to do the work, but then they find out the work's a lot of work. And so they do less of the work. And I mean, everyone's that way, right? That's workouts. That's everything. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we did. We created a game that plays kind of like Cards Against Humanity. Chelsea Gauchi and myself, Chelsea Gauchi is the uh, director of communications for Make It Awkward herself and I uh, opened this company, Not That Funny, and created this game that uncovers all the damaging truths, the microaggressions behind everyday language and jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's really cool. It is. Yeah, yeah it's really neat. I, I, I'm, I, I'm curious to know, like, how... Um, so, you know, with, with this podcast, where it sort of stemmed from was um, the fact that when when we first started having these conversations, we were noticing that like when people talk to people who are living with illness um, and personally for myself, you know, like you can't tell that I'm sick, but in conversations when it comes out that, Oh, actually I live with a, you know, a life shortening illness called cystic fibrosis. 
people get really fucking awkward, right? And they mm-hmm. like tighten up and it, it mm-hmm. becomes this weird moment where you're like, oh God, now I'm going to like, now I'm going to take care of you to t- try to like, just let, just deviate this conversation into a place where you're not w- worried about me or something. And so I love this. I love this notion of like, of embracing the, the awkwardness and embracing mm-hmm. those tough conversations. Um, and I'm curious to know, um, a little bit more about that conversation that you had in Edmonton that sparked yeah. all this. Like, what did that look like? How did that, cause that, that seems like a, from what you've just said, it seems like a really tense scenario. Um, mm-hmm. How did that all go down? Yeah. So I guess, you know, that, that incident that started to make it awkward, which ultimately started the game. It's, First off, it's not something that hap- is like new. It happens to marginalized individuals everywhere, right? So, uh, you know, for me, if I were to rewind, I, I mean, I've been a black man all the days of my life. So, uh, so <laughs> not so for- even one have I taken. <laughs> no. have I, not a day, not a single day off. No, I didn't even. Not no Halloween did I do whiteface. Not once. <laughs> I've been I've been I've been black my whole life. Um, oh, but with funny. that comes certain understandings, right? That we are walking different, maybe the same path, but there's different experiences. For that, you know, growing up, it's always been if something happens, Jesse, people will notice you. I live in a predominantly white world. Grew up in even a whiter city named Saint Albert. Um, uh, and so the idea that, you know, if I were to act out in certain ways that can be perceived differently. Uh, mm. People react differently. I'm 6'4", 260 pounds. So like a decent sized guy. You guys can't see it, but like I'm talking about rippling muscles. Oh, yeah. like, it's un- it's yeah. uncomfortable. Folks, yeah. I, I literally had to uh, to unpin Jesse and just put up another <laughs> photo because I'm I am I am sitting here feeling so okay. inadequate. So totally I'm just looking at a, <laughs> at a photo of, of um, just, camera myself, tricks. just myself. It's ca- camera tricks. Yeah. Camera tricks. Uh, so given, given that, you know, the idea where, I mean, I've had racial slurs thrown my way beforehand, mm. but th- in this situation, we were shooting a commercial. And if I were to react in an aggressive, angry way, I'm falling into that stereotype. Also, mm. the conversation becomes different too, because it's no longer someone shouting racial slurs. It's an attempted assault on somebody. All these, all these things were in my mind. So I know these things walking up to the car. So I do walk up quite uh, carefully. And I, I, I wouldn't suggest that a person does this by the way, but I walked up to the car. I was at a red light. I opened up the door, uh, but I got down on my (laughs) knee, like, like I would talk to my children and I just Mm. asked them, why did you say that? And why did you think it was okay? Um, They denied saying it. And then, you know, slammed the door while cursing, drove a couple of meters away and said it again. And the whole thing happened relatively quick, but I think what resonated with individuals was me not getting really angry, me questioning why uh, I thought, why they thought that was an okay thing to do. Mm. What Just a simple question of why is that all right to do to another person? And that I think resonated with individuals and it moved into the idea of it not having to be, and this is what you were just saying with the idea they find out you have cystic fibrosis and now there's this idea of you have to care for them as mm. well as like just to get them to a comfortable place that makes a lot of sense so the hope is that it's not up to you to do that right mm. like whoever's mm. with you your bystanders your friends they can they can say actually no we, we can just continue the conversation or no you don't have to coddle or don't say that thing because of this and take some of that mm. weight off of ourselves and then ultimately, that's what the game's about, t- giving everyone tools for their toolkit so that they can feel confident uh, about walking through the world and know what to say, what's the right thing to say, and how to approach things that you know deep down when you hear them are not supposed to be said. You feel it, but sometimes you don't know what to say, so you'd say nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really like, like when we were um, 
like when you when you confront that person in this like really in this very um in this very like sensible way that is hey why did you so why did you say that and why did you think that those that was okay like such a rational like hey let's um remove the anger and all the vitriol that like goes with the language that you just mm. use. Like, why did you, why, why did that come up? And, and in that moment, you know, we were joking earlier about, uh, you know, what vaccine are we signed up for and stuff, but there were, there was a, there was a, a, an experience that I had over the weekend where amongst a group of people, there was like a clear, um, favorite amongst the vaccines. And it, and it was like, and when you dug just like, just scratch just a, a tiny bit, it was like, but why is there a favorite between these two separate vaccines? It was like, well, there is no reason. It's just like a, it's like a group think thing where somebody picks, there's a, there's a pick and then everybody kind of goes, that's just how I feel. And I can't really explain why I feel that way, but I do. And it's sort of in a way more intense way. It reminds me of the experience that you had where you, you confront that person and like, they don't really... I feel like maybe it's naive of me, but I, 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 the, the, the like benefit of the doubt part of me is like people just, they say that shit and they don't know, they don't even know where that's coming from. Like you, like that person, I'm, I'm, I'd be so surprised if that person could give you a actual answer mm. that it, that can be articulated uh, with, with, with reasonable words because it, it almost like, strikes you that it could not possibly exist that they could explain themselves like mm. rationally with with why they do that and it's very uncomfortable when you're faced with that with that question like why did you do that and you and that part of you that's inside that's just like i don't i don't know and then because of that i don't know it's like this huge defensive onslaught which is for your in your instance swearing and then <laughs> re-saying it yeah yeah so well i'm mean, taylor you're right though right i think uh, a lot of that with anything if we look at vaccines for that example you know within such a short period of time people are sure what they want and they're and they're sure what they want specifically with two reasons right what we've heard on radio media mm. uh and then conversations within our own circles um and so we can see how quickly an idea of somebody something uh can travel so fast and just become this is what i believe this is mm -hmm. what i and i'm not and i like i'm not doing this other thing mm -hmm. and so when you do that over hundreds and hundreds of years uh specifically when you're talking about bipoc individuals marginalized individuals indigenous black across the board you start to see how people do have these ideas and they're steadfast not because mm -hmm. they know but they've heard it over and over and over again mm -hmm. and hearing it over and over again often comes from just those conversations that you have in your own trusted circles and they don't dig deeper and like one of the biggest questions always is is why why such a strong question not not an antagonistic why but a curious why did you think so? Racism, hate, that stuff, it, it disintegrates because there's nothing really to, to substantiate it. And so you're mm. right, people do get defensive. But defensiveness is a key that they heard you. You can't expect them to be like, thank you for correcting me. I'm a new person. But, you know, you, a Taylor, you correct him. Brian corrects him. I correct him. And then after a while, you're like, well, mm -hmm. I guess this doesn't fit anymore. And that's the mm -hmm. hope. Maybe this isn't, it's not that funny anymore. Mm -hmm. But the more we give people tools to be able to do that confidently and without necessarily, uh, you know, losing their, they, they are then those, la those messages can land because anger mm -hmm. wants more anger and it usually doesn't, isn't yeah. anyone listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, I'm, I'm curious how uh, that moment um, in Edmonton when you confronted that person, like how did that moment stand out compared to, because you said like 
you know, it's no surprise that you've lived this your entire life. What, like, why was it that moment? And what was it like to feel compelled to, you know, approach that person and say that, was that different than any other time that? No, well, the, only thing that? Different, the only thing different was it was on camera. So yeah, no, right. you know, and yeah. many times uh, I may say something like this happened and they'll be like, well, did it happen? What did you say before? Or did they, yeah. was it really racism? And so then yeah. even, even though this was on camera, that still happened a lot because, because it conflicted with what people have decided was their truth. They've mm-hmm. decided that racism might not exist. They exist. They decided that Edmonton wasn't that bad. And so this was in direct uh, opposition of that. And so either you accept and change or you just dig your heels in and have to figure something else out. Like I hired them as actors or mm-hmm. that I paid for this. Like, like <laughs> something has to be wrong with it because this can't be right. You know? Right. Yeah. right. There's a, there's a, in, in, in thinking about having this conversation earlier, um, I was, uh, I was kind of, I was thinking about like, what are the, what are the things that, what are the things that come up that make things that make us perceive topics and conversations as awkward and, and, and make us want to shy away from them. And I was thinking that I kind of came to this place where I thought, well, I think it's, it all sort of stems from the insecurities that we have as people. So when, when that, when that, if, if the conversation or the topic at hand presents something that you have an insecurity about, then that, then that starts to breed the awkwardness, the aversion to the conversation. Like, you know, in, in our circle of what we do with the podcast, it's, you know, death, illness, um, you know, really tough, oftentimes shitty conversations. Um, and, and us trying to sort of like turn them on their head and make them more accessible using, using humor. And, and death is such a taboo subject for a lot of people because we're insecure about the fact that we will for sure die. Mm. And we don't want to face that and think about that. And, and then I started to think like, you know, I've been because of this podcast and because of a lot of different experiences in my life and, and the sort of the path that I've um, that I've trodden, I have been able to reflect a lot and reflection sort of starts to disintegrate insecurities bit by bit over time. And I started to think like, what are my what are my insecurities and where does where like what are the types of conversations that I that I would shy away from when they are presented to me? And I don't really know what they are off the top of my head. I know that they were at the beginning of um, uh, like midway through 2020 when George Floyd was killed and the Black Lives Matter protests and movement really started to pick up a ton of steam. I I started to, to notice insecurities there within myself and the conversations that we were having. But like, what is, what, like, this is an open question to everybody. Like what, what's your take on that? Like, do you think that that is where, that is where things stem from the awkwardness or the aversion to conversations come from. I, I just want to, before we dive into that, I just want to say, folks, we just heard Taylor McGilvery admit that he has inssecurities. <laughs> folks, this is a huge moment. In- well, I, well, I wanted, I wanted to wow. say that I know wow. that I do. I just don't, I know they're there. They just need to be uncovered. But I used bury to, them down deep and don't talk about them. But I, down. but I will say, I, I just because I know that you're joking. I know that you're fucking with me there. But, but, but I used to have a ton. I used to be riddled with them. I wore a mask for most yeah. of my life until yeah. I was, you know, early twenties, and then I took it off and I was able to be me. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely like what you just said there. The idea of wearing a mask. Uh, there is, there's this idea, I think that's all of this kind of relates with like that idea of a, a, your representative versus your real self. Like we mm-hmm. introduce our representatives and that is who I think you would like, 
because ultimately we always want to be liked. We want to feel like we belong and we put forward a representative that we think will do that the best way, mm-hmm. uh, which is often rarely the authentic, vulnerable, sometimes cracked person who fails, makes errors, is going to say the wrong thing. We often don't lead with that person. Um, but, you know, in doing so, why are, we, why are we not doing that? Because you're right, we don't know enough about certain things. So that's one. When you don't know enough about something, you kind of want to block that away so people don't find out that you don't know mm-hmm. about something. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then, the, you know, and the more knowledge that we have about, you say that, like with Black Lives Matter uh, and the, the picking up of steam. And of course, a lot of like those who wanted to be on board and allies wanted to, but were insecure about saying the wrong thing or saying mm-hmm. something out of their lane. So often said nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Even talking about death, like it's not obviously it's a thing. It's a second law of thermodynamics, entropy, everything, everything degrades, right? Mm-hmm. So we know it's happening, and some cultures do speak about it all the time, and it's very natural. And I think that's the idea. The more we talk about it, if we talk about cystic fibrosis, if we talk about Tourette syndrome, if we talk about indigenous culture, black culture, and we talk about it, the good and the bad, uh, then it becomes a regular conversation that we can just you know, flows through, you can make mistakes. You know, I might make some mistakes about some of these mm. things, but we talk about it so much, it becomes less awkward. Yeah. Uh, and the more, so the more conversations, you know, keeping the conversation going, I think just allows us all to learn a little bit more and be less confident that our representative has to show up. Like we can mm-hmm. have our full non-diet, full fat, homogenized milk self <laughs> yeah. show up yeah. everywhere. Yeah. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This might be a bit of a loaded question, but like <clears throat> when when you started or since you you started the the Make It Awkward campaign um and in in like in encouraging folks to have these awkward conversations um tough conversations towards, you know, making progress towards um, fighting racism and, and hatred. What, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned since, since kind of like, you know, going down this path of, 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 of like everyday activism? Yeah. Good. It's a good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, um, humility, the, uh, feeling being okay, making mistakes publicly, Mm. Uh, making errors publicly and also changing course publicly um, from a lot of the feedback besides the like, thanks for tools and that speech really helped. But uh, the ones that hit with me were, you know, I just really love that, you know, you someone called you out on something or you said something that could have been damaging. Um, and then publicly you made that correction and error with giving people space to be okay, making mistakes and still stay on the path. It's not like you're kicked out of the cl- club mm-hmm. if you made the error. And so for me at the beginning, I, I, I probably wanted to double down on what my intent was all the time. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and I would ignore the impact of what I did, regardless of my intent. And so now I am a little bit more impact focused on a lot of the things. And it kind of gets myself out of the way. I might make errors with the best intent and best heart. But I think that's the biggest change is become mm -hmm. more impact driven life, uh, as opposed to what I, I'm trying to do. Like, what am I actually doing? Yeah. And I, I, you know, and as a segue to this, I'll say this too: the game at this moment feels intentionally awesome. But there's yeah. there's a there's a problem there's that could very well be harmful in some ways, and we've talked about all of this and what do we do and how do we make sure we navigate it so that we can have some foresight in the event that that happens and what do we how will we move and make mm. sure that this still remains something that will help folks. I, I I feel like that's a really scary thing about like you know trying to be an ally and being um, fearful that you will say the wrong thing is like the the idea of cancel culture and being shut down for making a mistake and I think it's almost equally as important for people to judge by intent where possible, I guess. Like it's like language. I, I struggle with this. I talked to my therapist about this a lot. Actually, I feel like I have really comprehensive thoughts in my head, but sometimes I struggle with finding the right words. Like I see language as like a bandwidth for me to be like a barrier in terms mm. of bandwidth for me to like really articulate these thoughts that I have in a way that doesn't, um, come across in in some al alternate way that I that I actually mean. Like even right now, I'm trying to explain what I'm thinking, and it makes sense in my head. But then when I try to find the words, I'm like, oh, "Fuck, does that make sense?" <laughs> it, it's it, did, like, do you guys know what I'm saying? Do you guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. but like, it's it's hard because like like what I want ultimately is a society where people um, consider intent more and say like, "Hey, like here's a moment for education." Like mm. you said this thing did you really mean exactly what you said or what was the intent behind that? Because in this teachable moment, I would like you to learn from the language that you did choose, but also I appreciate the intent that was there and mm. that you support. Brian, cause, I mean, right? I, I fully disagree with you on this one. Really? Yeah, I do. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I feel I disagree because you're, I don't actually care about your intent until you acknowledge your impact. I can care about your intent afterwards, but sure. you know, like if, if for example, I had a question in class and I just put my hand up and someone walked by and I punched them in the face, I, my <laughs> intent was to answer a question. And so I, I, so they're laying on the ground bleeding and I'm like, well, there's a teachable moment here with my intent. I have yet to acknowledge I punched someone in the face. So right. like, I, I, I need to acknowledge that impact and, and really like be apologetic and be present only for that. And, and then once they see that I care, then they care. And now we can talk about my intent. And maybe I look a little bit before I raise my hand so enthusiastically, right? But, I think, like but, but like, I also, I agree. I understand what you're saying. And I, and I totally agree with what you're saying there too. But I'm also saying like, imagine that person raising their hand has an answer to the question and feel like they can contribute, but they're afraid to answer their hand because they think they're going to get punched in the face. So like, at the they same time, like punch, they think they're going to punch somebody, in the they're going to punch someone else. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so like they want to right. Help. So how? Right. So what I'm saying is, you're right on this, and the reason that they're afraid they're going to punch someone is because they probably punched somebody beforehand. And <laughs> right, what I'm yeah. saying is, here's the deal: 
you punch somebody, let's figure out how to do the thing you wanted to do that you had an intention of mm. in a better way, mm. because we know we hurt somebody. All mm. I mean, and it, it's, it's only a small, it just takes a second just to acknowledge it. And then we can move to intent and the whole cancel culture idea. I think that happens a lot because all people do is double down on intent and their apologies. I wasn't intended to, I'm the least racist person ever. I, if, if you yeah. knew me, I, like all of that happens. And then the person that maybe is accusing them of something isn't even mentioned or acknowledged or the yeah. impact of what they did. And then people like that seems so fake just, but if we acknowledge impact, it changes that conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think this is like a a perfect segue into not that funny, the game, how it works and, and, um, and like how you actually play the game. So can you give like a, uh, because obviously like we can't, we can't show our, our listeners what it looks like, but, um, how, how does the game work? Uh, how do people play? Um, give us a little breakdown on that. Right. So uh, they can't see it, but here's some cards. Uh, so basically what happens is you, uh, uh, you play with three or more players and everybody is dealt um, seven response cards. So these are all pre-made cards. And then one person will read a situation card. And the situation cards are all real life uh, things we've either heard, seen, witnessed, or had third party come to us. Uh, and so a situation card might say something like this. Um, at a house party, someone taps your partner, who happens to be who happens to be black, if he knows a good drug dealer. You respond with, and so then you go into your response cards, Ooh. and you you know they they could be a number of things. So here, I'll just I'll just grab a few to see what happens. Okay, so you know so that response might be, um, "Don't look at me. I wasn't born with preloaded black facts." Or uh, <laughs> can I touch your hair? Can I touch your hair? Can I touch oh your hair? So can I touch your hair? Is mm. so there? Some of the cards have an NTF on them, and some of them don't. If by chance the uh, reader selects one with an NTF, then there's like another point because now can I touch your hair might be picked because it was funny. Uh, but then you say, all right, why was that card actually? Not funny. So why was it not that funny? And then there's another round where people get to guess, mm. and then. Uh, might say asking to touch a BIPOC person's hair can be triggering reminder of the dehumanizing tactics that were used in the past and still today. Blacks person's hair is off limits for you to touch. So the game goes through with some really like fun uh, examples and, and answers. And then some of them that seem fun, but are actually harmful. And when those ones are picked, there's more chances for learning and you just keep going until, you know, you get to 10, five, whatever you decide your, your end point is, sure, but sure. the game has 500 different. Yeah. It's so, there's so many of them and it's not just That's racism. Awesome. It's sexism. It's ableism. It's uh, it's across the board. And how, how, what was the process of like, you know, 500 cards, that's a fuckload of scenarios. Like that's a, that's a lot of, uh, uh, examples to kind of, to use and, and draw from what was the process of putting that all together? You know, like what was there, was there a team behind this? Like what was the brainstorming of, of putting this, yeah. putting this game together? So uh, majority of this is from, uh, Chelsea and myself, Chelsea, uh, is indigenous, uh, a woman, um, she has a disability. Uh, I'm a black male, um, different sexualities. So a lot of it at the beginning lived in those two spots uh, of all of the things that we've heard, responses, things like that. And then as we expanded uh, and got information from um, different marginalized individuals and started just to brainstorm these and make them work into how the gameplay goes. Um, and with what's the nice thing about it is each full box set has about a hundred situation cards and 400 response cards. Mm. 
But because there's so many of these intersects, uh, it's nice to have expansions, right? So there'll be mm-hmm. a full religion pack, or it could be a, a LGBTQ2 plus pack or a, whatever the case is. So it's, it's this idea of learning. So let me tell you how much we learned. We went into it to create tools for everybody. But as we were going through it, there were so many things. I'm like, I do that? Ah, man, I didn't know that was damaging. And so we learned so much about so many different intersections, which is really special. So it really does give us confidence that a lot of people who don't do this work daily will have a ton to learn. Was speaking was of there- the- Speaking of an intent to um, like when writing these cards, I, I bet like I bet it's really challenging to like think about the intent um, that you have for the the card and then how it actually plays out when being used in practice. What like how how much did the feedback that you got from people actually playing the game and testing the game actually impacted the way that the cards were written? Because I sound it sounds like a lot of those scenarios can be like sort of you know, borderlining on uh, being traumatic experiences for people and, uh, mm. and you know, sort of in, in cases like maybe forcing them to relive past trauma. Like, was, was there a sort of fine balance to, like, figure out what would have impact and what was maybe okay or not okay? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. There was a couple of rules that we had with certain words that just... See, that's what happens when you drop things. Wasn't my intent, but the impact was a different sound on the podcast. Uh, so I'm acknowledging it now and then we'll move on. Hey, Jesse, I learned a lot from this conversation already. I appreciate this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so we, we did. We had, a couple, we had some words that were just no-go, right? That we wouldn't say them. Um, mm-hmm. And then on other scenarios, there it is a thin line. And one of the things that we thought about is there, these comments, these things are happening every day, all day, all the time. The difference is there's no learning that happens on the other side of it. If we didn't make this game, everything in this box is being said every day, all day, every day. To kids across the board, to every single culture. But what isn't happening is right with that, right at that moment, is there something for them to take away and find out why it was damaging? Mm-hmm. So yes, this game could be triggering to some individuals, um, but it's all it's triggering. Racism's triggering. Sexism is triggering on a daily yeah. basis. But this uh, one yeah. comes with some ancillary learning lessons. <laughs> Um, that will help people be better the next time, right? So it's, yeah, I get that idea. People have mentioned like, well, you're saying these harmful things. Well, actually I'm not. I'm regurgitating the ones that have been said every single day and yeah. I'm going to tell you how to, yeah. how to navigate it. Was, mm-hmm. was there, was there um, struggles with, with, you know, putting the game together, trying to create it to, to encompass um, as many sort of scenarios that one might find themselves in? Was there any issues with, inclusion you know where where because obviously you want this to be as inclusive as possible so that anybody who picks up the game feels like they're going to be able to take something from it themselves um but there's a lot of people in the world to include and so you know is there was there was was there a challenge in that in trying to make it as inclusive as possible yeah, I mean, there always will be, and we yeah. try to look at as many spots as we can. I mean, currently, it's only in English, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's one, mm-hmm. and right now, it's not like we have, um, if you can't read, if you can't see it, you can't play currently, right. Right. right? So there's a lot of barriers that we have yet to solve, but with each new iteration of it, we'll try to be more and more inclusive. For the first one, we tried to take a relatively uh, general idea of what cultures exist in North America and that have experienced lots of uh, marginalization and discrimination and 
you know, get as much of that as we can within it. But the hope is that this is a back and forth thing that as people play and say, I really would love to have a, a pack that really touches what I go through, which would be mm. great because then that'll be a new focus group and we'll do that. And because we're a small team, we're able to do that stuff relatively quick. So we, uh, at this stage, yes, uh, it's always on top of mind. Is it 100% inclusive? For sure, it's not. But yeah. the goal is to continually be more inclusive every time while still giving tools. Mm. And, and I think the, 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 the challenge, like the really unique challenge of inclusion is, is that there will be things next year that we haven't even thought to consider in yeah. inclusion yeah. this year. Like yeah. there's, you know, oh, and, that will, and that will just, that yeah. will just continue and continue on because we are, we're, we're all at the same time as we are recognizing the, the, you know, a limitless amount of things that make us unique individuals. We're also evolving and creating that yeah. those unique natures all of the time you know, whether it's, whether it's from the, you know, the heritage of your, uh, of your, um, ancestors or your language or, you know, your whatever, those things are also being like evolving and creating mm -hmm. all the time, all the time. And it's right now, I feel like we're playing catch up. Yeah, uh, for, and I think as much as we can do to catch up, to get out of our own, uh, like just our own lane of what we know about ourselves and be culturally literate, uh, you know, across many other cultures, that's the goal. And ideally, we can get to a place where we can be proactive. We're trying our best to be proactive, knowing exactly what mm -hmm. you said. There's going to be some cards in here we could never use again, probably in two years. I don't know if they right. are, but I've just seen how history is and how language changes. So we have to be mobile, flexible enough to do that as well. Mm. But yeah, I agree with you. It is it is a catch up game, but I think it's a beautiful thing that we're like collectively aware that mm -hmm. it's going to keep happening. As opposed to I can't take anymore; it's too much. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. beautiful that we can yeah. be. There isn't a. It's not binary if you're a man or a woman, and how many millions of people have felt just left out, and mm. now there's more and there's options, and mm. that's. I think that's ideally a, a, the world I'd love to be in. And, and this is a really and this is a really amazing way to do it because I find mm -hmm. that there is in this, in this conversation of, um, of inclusion and diversity, there is like, there is a lot of like, there's a lot of contention and pushback, um, in different directions. And like Brian, you alluded to it earlier, like when the environment is very, um, is very like emotionally charged, emotionally, That's emotionally it. charged. And, but like, as it should be, but is like, right, but yeah. doesn't leave, but doesn't leave the room for, for the learning and the, mm. and, and that's, but like when it's that environment, I mean, that, that, that makes it really challenging to, to move on and evolve. But in the, in, but in the, in the circumstance of like the conversation we're having now where we can say something and then say, well, this is like, well, actually maybe it's a little bit like this and maybe it's different. And like, here's my take on this and why I view it this way. And then, you know, we go, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't see it that way. And you have that back and forth and, and the conversation can evolve and you can bring the sense of humor, which is sort of like, you know, the, the, the thing that we live by with this podcast is like humor is this incredible icebreaker to mm -hmm. open up conversations that are really hard and weird to have. And, uh, it, it really is this, this, just this incredibly secret sauce to, yeah. to getting to the heart of, uh, it of tastes so good. It's such, a, it's a, such a yummy, sauce. such a good sauce. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite too. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It's a great sauce, but I was thinking when you said that humor is twofold because, because humor is a difficult thing to do properly 
uh, and, and mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't actually cause harm at times. Because a lot of, I mean, the game itself called Not That Funny. A lot of the things that were said, people laughed at. Uh, they were they were jokes, and they were jokes at the expense of, right? Mm-hmm. And even even mm-hmm. if it was myself making jokes about my myself, my own culture, still at the expense of because of insecurities or information that I've gotten beforehand, not knowing it's damaging. So the hope is, you know, yes, humor through this, there'll be laughs for sure. But sometimes, sometimes like we've had discussions and we're like, well, what about this? What about that? We have a timeout card in the game because we know that these things get heated. Mm, And so each player actually, if it turns into one of those arguments, you play your timeout card and you have five minutes. It's your five minutes and you say your piece. You can share the time if you want. And then after five minutes, you get back into the game because that idea of being able to hear somebody uh, and uninterrupted at times so they can get their piece across and then we can take that and keep on moving it's mm. all about keeping the conversation going in in a way that we can guide that i think will help people learn the best in the it, it seems like an accelerator to to what i feel at least in for sure in our group and the people that we're that we you know speak with and and hang out with in our personal lives and everything it seems like an accelerator to what to what is a a, a slow process like like it's like Ooh. with language, there are things that I said as a junior high and high schooler that I would never say today. Like I would like this language that I would go, Oh, that was like, wow, how ju- how I was so juvenile, like u- using that language. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, between the time that I was using that language to the time that I stopped, or maybe even the time that I, the time that I stopped and then to the time that I realized why I stopped, like huge could yeah. be years. Mm. And this is a, this seems like a, a mm-hmm. really great catalyst to speed that up. It definitely mm. is an accelerator. I I'm, like, as you're saying it, I'm thinking of how many things this year I was saying that I'm not saying right. anymore or yeah. trying not to say anymore. Yeah, right. Even right now I'd be like, all right, guys, I could get away with it. Maybe, but folks, you know, right. ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. how quick that mm-hmm. goes. But it's like mm-hmm. the smallest little things. Yeah. One of my favorite cards in there was, uh, what are your preferred pronouns? And I remember saying, what is wrong with that? That sounds like you're being like, uh, isn't that what you want to hear? And like, no, it's not. What are your preferred pro- pronouns? What are your pronouns? Like, what's your mm-hmm. preferred mm-hmm. name? No, it's just my name. Like, yeah, just like yeah, the littlest yeah, things. Yeah. I'm like, ah, this is crazy. I, that's not crazy. It's actually yeah. crazy would be a whole nother thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's nice to be able to be like, wow, there's so many of them. And yeah. I can just be better by playing and learning. I love learning. And, it, and it, that's it, fun. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. that, that in, in and of itself is a fun process, or at least it can be, you know, it's like, there, there's a, there's a lot of mm-hmm. fun to be had within that um uh jesse how how can people support the game how can we get our hands on it what's what 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 do we need to know yeah we have to play yeah absolutely (laughs) if if by chance you're hearing this uh before june 2nd then uh you can go on our kickstarter uh and and back it and get a full set uh or a a, a half set and then you get a, a limited edition uh, uh, Kickstarter extension pack. Now, if by chance it was after that, then you can go to our website, uh, notthatfunny.store. You can actually go there for everything. It's really simple, notthatfunny.store, and, and you'll be able to purchase that game uh, for as long as we're creating it. Um, real simple um, to get, real simple to play, complex implications when you sit down and uh, have a little turn. Mm. And how can people uh, find you and what you're up to? Um, yeah, easiest way, 
between distances. I, should I have a website? I don't know. I use Google <laughs> as my website. They're so much better at organizing everything. Yeah. Like I type in Google, all my images are there. All my videos are there. Yeah. And it's chronological. But at the Lipscomb, so at the Lipscomb on all social medias, that's L-I-P-S-C-O-M-B-E. Lips on your face, a comb you comb your hair with, with an E on the end. That's my handle everywhere. Uh, and you can follow all my good stuff. Jesse, man, this has been really fun. And uh, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us and uh, give us a bit of insight into the work that you do and uh, and to get us pumped for Not That Funny the Game. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I appreciate the the space and time. And I, I don't I don't want to say this publicly, but I'm going to because I already started it. <laughs> I do a lot of podcasts and rarely do I want to be friends with the people. Not that I don't <laughs> not that I don't want to be, yeah. but like I'm like, I, hey, can we hang a little bit up? Yeah, let's hang <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once, yeah. We, once we get yeah. all, every single one of those vaccines, uh, we'll, yeah. be, we'll, we'll be hanging oh, out. Fucking kissing each other. It's going to be great. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.